Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, sitting here with my coffee. We're going to cover some news. Um, Then we're going to go over to Phil, who's doing an interview with Julia Wendler, Jim's wife. Uh, And I guess I should introduce myself. Again, it's early with the coffee this morning. but uh, So who am I? If you don't know, I'm a university professor. I've taught exercise, phys, and nutrition uh, for quite a while, and I have a background in competitive bodybuilding. And Phil will introduce himself as well, I'm sure. But let's get to the news. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Let's start with Iron Radio News first. Uh, A couple of simple things going on, but for those of you who are planning to get the app, we now have an iTunes and an Android app. I've heard that the Android app is uh, under a little bit of delay, but... The iTunes app, it's called the Libsyn uh, Podcast Box. Uh, I think it's $1.99, uh, but we add extra content, and we're going to start doing more of that. So this time around, I'm going to add a little PDF file, which is it's some actual data from what I'm looking at in the lab. It's something that we're going to present next week, actually, at the ISSN meeting, the International Society of Sports Nutrition meeting, uh, and it's on coffee and bar velocity. So a lot of people are interested in moving that bar fast. You know, they do speed work and things of that nature. And, well, it's very interesting what coffee seems to be able to do. So for those of you who do have the app uh, or want to get it, there's a little E in the corner, and Rob mentions this at the end of the show in an ad. But this time around, I'm going to put a little graph in there, and I'm hoping it works. I've only added extras once or twice before. But the concept here is that Two strong cups of coffee actually enhanced bar velocity in both men and women when they consumed it uh, about an hour before they trained. Now, what's especially interesting when you look at this graph, uh, whether you do or not, but is women who have had two cups of Via instant coffee, so a good whopping dose of caffeine through the vehicle of coffee because different kinds of stimulants, uh, even, even sources of caffeine differ, but... The women on coffee actually move the bar faster on some level than the men who don't get coffee. I just find that remarkable, and I think I might have mentioned that on the show once before, but there's the actual data, uh, and I hope to put that in the extras uh, of our uh, iTunes app, that uh, Libsyn app, if you want to go look for that podcast box app. Um. What else? As I mentioned, ISSN is next week. That is a great conference. Um, Our crew here from Ohio is going to head down probably Thursday afternoon and stay through late Saturday night. Lots of great stuff. Amazing scientists there. Media people are there. It's almost as entertaining as going to the Arnold, uh, the Arnold Fitness Weekend when it comes to stuff like looking at some booths and that sort of thing. But then there's a lot of good science mixed in. And then, you know, there's some coffee and drinking on the beach and there's great stuff going on there so it's a it's a really fun conference and dr antonio joey 
mentions it in an ad at the end of the show. Let's see what else. The Iron Radio Store, just a quick update. My hope is to make this a hub uh, where we can connect actually a couple different things. Uh, we have a Zazzle store, so you can get like mugs and that sort of thing. Um, we're going to phase that out at least on some level and get Phil's company doing a lot of this because he partly owns that uh, printing and promotions company. Amazon.com, uh, I'm working on a little retailer agreement with them because that will open up access with free shipping. One of the problems, of course, with these kinds of stores is we don't want you guys to pay a fortune for shipping. and We don't want to either. You know, um, So doing things through Amazon, for example, shipping is cheaper uh, and we can get almost anything through those guys. And so it's almost a suggestion. Say, hey, go go check out this brand of coffee you know, kind of thing and you can link to it uh, through our store. Anyway, and then some Strength Guild links and that sort of thing. So stay tuned for the store uh, as that starts to uh, come up. Also note that we are well into June, and by the end of the month, we are going to be making old episodes of Iron Radio, more than 50 episodes old, premium content on Libsyn. Uh, so if you want to get all the old episodes, go download them now. Uh, frankly, I don't care how people share them and that sort of thing. Uh, but it's important if you want to get all the old episodes, you're the kind of person who likes to go back from the very beginning, I would go do that now uh, by the end of the month. So we're going to uh, be actually attaching a very small fee. It's a, actually a subscription fee, and Rob mentions it at the end of the episode. The good thing with it, though, is it won't be just for the old episodes. I sincerely want to put quite a bit of extra content for anybody who wants to do that. And, of course, we've had a lot of discussions about how supporting members come into this. So I'm going to do my best to create a list of supporting members, the people who uh, put forward $4 a month to support the show. Uh, and as I often say in the little announcements, you know, that's less than the bank sneaks out of your accountant fees. And this is for something good, something you actually get to use. But the point being is I would really like those people, if you are one of those supporters, to get access to the extra content for your $4 a month and not have to go get some Libsyn uh, subscription in that way. Uh, that does put extra burden on us, though, to try to manage everybody who's got a supporting member role. So if you have any issues, uh, you can fire an email to Fortress and he'll get it to me through our homepage. Uh, I believe it's just Robert Fortney at Hotmail.com. And we'll do what we can to make sure that if you're a supporting member, then you're not missing out on any anything juicy. Okay, having said that, I have one bit of news before we get to Phil's interview about lifting and a lot of women's issues, pregnancy and that sort of thing with Juliet Wendler. This crossed my desk. In fact, a lot of things crossed my desk this past week. And uh, I wish I could share them all, but out of brevity, I'm not going to go on. Suffice it to say, I've seen some st very interesting stuff that two days of fasting can actually rejuvenate the immune system and boost your immune system. I saw some very interesting stuff that you, you can trick the body chemically with certain interleukins, uh, which are immune proteins, immune substances in the body, to um, start to turn your white fat, right, the jiggly, you know, fat that nobody seems to like, uh, and actually get it to start turning into brown fat, which is a little furnace by comparison and burns calories. So they're actually finding ways so you don't have to go shiver in a cold pool all the time uh, to chemically trick your body into turning white fat into brown fat. And that's amazing to me. Uh, I believe it was interleukin-4 for people who are interested. They can go take a look. Uh, anyway, cool stuff with that. But the one I'm going to focus on is I got it through Lab Roots. 
uh, and this is indirect from other sources too, but this is June 2014, so it's new stuff, spanking new. It basically says how food affects mood and how mood affects food. And again, this is through Lab Roots uh, via LiveScience.com, June 11th, 2014. Let me just break this down for you quickly because I think this is interesting. We all know that eating good foods promote health and well-being, and my wife and I are always talking about this because as a counselor, she tries to help people change their moods and their behaviors, and they just set a hideous stage chemically with poor diet, no sleep, you know, those sorts of things. And we can't take these things for granted. I've heard our desire for little sleep to be arrogant. You know, it's almost biological arrogance to think we cannot sleep. I mean, who would not eat for eight hours straight, you know, and and yet we treat sleep with abuse uh, when it's just as important. In any case, um, it says enjoying a wide variety of vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, legumes, low-fat dairy, lean meats, and oily fish are associated with reductions in mood swings and less depression and less anxiety. So Rob was mentioning mood and how it affects lifting uh, on a recent episode with uh, Julia Leduski that we pre-recorded. Anyway, there's a lot of speculation in this article about why mood affects food and how food affects mood. Um, obviously, the kinds of foods that I just mentioned are helpful, um, but there's a couple of different mechanisms. One could be serotonin in the brain, uh, sort of that feel-good neurotransmitter hormone. Uh, one of the things I don't think the article mentioned is gut flora, the different bacteria that live in your large intestines. They actually have some crosstalk with your brain, believe it or not. That may play a role in some way. And the other would be blood sugar swings. Obviously, if you're eating things like beans and legumes and seeds and protein foods, your blood sugar is not going to swing as if you were eating Krispy Kreme. So there's quite a bit in here. There's a section in the article that talks about being in the driver's seat. It says, research suggests that the foods we consume may be of paramount importance. In other words, the foods may drive our mood, and then that follows up our food choices and sort of creates a vicious circle or an upward spiral. Uh, One of the interesting things in here it talked about was that uh, it, it may actually worsen your mood the next day or two or three days later. And that's phenomenal if you think about that. So if you eat a lot of vegetables, you get a lot of those phytochemicals, P-H-Y-T-O, right? Plant chemicals, uh, you get lean sources of all kinds of things, proteins and that sort of thing. But the point being is it could actually set the stage for the next day or two days later. uh, And that's remarkable to me because then if you're in a good mood, you're more likely to choose healthy foods. And the article kind of bears that out. And it creates that upward spiral. So this is something to think about maybe for this week and next is focus on what you eat. Purposely eat that wide variety of, you know, seeds and nuts and uh, lean protein foods and this sort of thing. Quality fats, oily fish, like it mentioned. uh, And then get enough sleep and then track it in your training log. I always like to put motivation to train just on a one to seven scale in my training log. Or maybe it's positivity Uh, You could create a little one to seven depression scale. I'm not saying treat yourself necessarily, but monitoring can be a good thing. How do you control what you don't measure? So make the dietary changes, purposely make yourself sleep for eight or nine hours a night and see what happens. Anyway, one of the things it talks about in here is gender differences. Other research indicates that regardless of mood, long-term future-focused thinking can lead to healthier food choices. And there's evidence for gender differences in the effects of mood Uh, and the consumption of comfort foods. 
One study, now one, but found that women are more likely to eat high indulgent kind of foods when they're feeling depressed or lonely or guilty. So maybe think, con you know, uh, convenience, salty, sugary, or any kind of comfort foods. I mean, you could think to yourself, what do I like? What's a comfort food for me? Maybe it's ice cream. Maybe it's mashed potatoes. Um, and it says men are more likely to turn to pasta and steaks as a reward when they're feeling great. So maybe some gender differences. Obviously, there's very complex interactions going on here, but just wanted to bring that to your attention. That was written partly by um, a dietitian in Australia, uh, Kate Flinders, I believe. So interesting stuff on food and mood. And like I said, I always try to make it applicable. You know, how can we take this and actually be better lifters and people because of it? Okay, so having said that, that's plenty of news. We're going to go on to Phil now for about a 45-minute talk uh, with Juliet. Here we are again. We've got another episode of Iron Radio. I'm Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach. Uh, I run Strength Guild, liftforhope.org, and USSF, a bunch of other stuff. You all know me. But um, joining us today is Juliet Wendler, the uh, the better <laughs> half to the Jim and Juliet pair. So how you doing? Uh, I am very good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, been wanting to get out, get you on for a while. And before we get into the topic of the day, which is going to revolve around women and training, of course. But uh, let's let's tell everybody a little bit about yourself, um, aside from that you're Jim's wife. So, what what's your background in training? <clears throat> uh, well, first of all, Phil, you are probably the only person that could pry me out of my hiatus because I haven't done an interview, a radio, a blog post, or anything in years. So nice. I'll apologize ahead of time to all your your kind listeners that I am a little <laughs> rough around the edges, <laughs> but uh, uh, I'll do the best that I can. Um, my training history, uh, gosh, I remember doing exercises in my bedroom when I was like 10. I just I don't know what it was. I was just making up moves because I didn't have any magazines and I didn't have anybody showing me stuff. And then we had a pool, so I'd run, swim, and bike like when I was a young kid. Tread water for time, just ridiculous stuff, and just you know with no purpose. Yeah. Then I got a little bit more competitive, and in high school I did cross country swimming and a little bit of gymnastics, and then I really loved running. So my, it does, my body doesn't love it back. It just didn't work mm -hmm. out. I was always getting shin splints and tendonitis and stuff like that. So swimming really, you know, took off for me. And I went to college for it and finished captain of the swim team. And, you know, after that, I went on and got interested in training and physical therapy and was uh, lifting weights, the local Y, just figuring stuff out, doing free weights, trying some machines. Then after college, I got into, uh, I got my CSCS and I tried my hand at a lot of different areas in fitness, physical therapy aid and all that stuff and became a trainer. While I was training, I started doing competitive powerlifting and competitive figure competitions. Um, both were very interesting and unique experiences, but I had some success at both and then I just kind of, I really didn't like the figure, you know. I, uh, mm -hmm. I I can't really say too much <laughs> too much about how unfulfilling it is to go through uh, such rigorous dieting and training, mm -hmm. and then to stand up on a stage because I did it because I was so scared. I was terrified of that. 
Yeah. You know, I really didn't have an interest in um, really the physique aspect of it. It was more like, oh, my gosh, can I actually get myself to do this and to get up there in those shoes and that costume and can I pull this off? Yeah. And uh, I did it, and I'm very proud that I did it, but um, I remember just feeling like just completely empty after this competition because <laughs> all your hard work is just, you know, somebody else's subjective view, like, in the moment and what they're looking yeah. for for the magazines and all that kind of stuff. So, oh, my gosh, that didn't last. I did a, maybe three <laughs> or four of those. <laughs> and uh, after that, you know, I got pregnant. And things have been very different ever since, as I'm sure all the women out there know. Things get different. <laughs> He's two yeah. now, so it's still in those constantly changing, turbulent stages. But I am training. I did train my entire pregnancy. I started soon, right up after the baby. And now I'm back in a good swing right now. So that probably sounded like one long run-on sentence, but that's kind of the quick ins and outs of it. Hey, that's that's all we needed. Um, no, yeah, so you're getting ready to hit that really crazy part. Everybody says terrible twos, but uh, they turn nuts about three. That's <laughs> what I found out. It's like two, they're still cute. They're walking around and making noises, and, you know, two's kind of fun. It's three where they start getting mouthy, and it's like, oh, no. Oh, so. mouthy. Oh, man. <laughs> He knows my buttons. He's very smart. Oh, yeah. He doesn't push too hard with other people, but, man, if I upset him or tell him he can't have something or do something, oh, my gosh, he can run around the house and start knocking them off one by one, the things that drive me crazy. (laughs) Oh, oh, it's going to get worse. Oh, boy. Does he hang out in the gym a lot with you? or? Um, He loves being in the gym. We'll spend, uh, you know, a good hour and a half just hanging out in here like – drinking waters and hanging out with the cat and playing with stuff. But as far as training goes, I've I've been trying here and there, and it's a wonderful idea for him to just kind of hang tight and sit mm-hmm. while I lift. But he wants to run up and touch the bar, yeah. or he doesn't want me to stop doing the reps. Like, I only need to do three, and this <laughs> weight's pretty heavy, and I only want to do three, and he gets all upset if I stop lifting it. <laughs> so, well, you know, I'm not at that point yet. I did uh, push the prowler with him the other day. Nice. And uh, which is a little tough to explain why mommy can run in the street and he can't. Uh, oh, <laughs> but, oh, yeah. You know, he likes it. He wants to stand on it and be pushed, uh, which on our surface is brutal. I can I can barely do it. Jim has to just push it because you wouldn't know it's uphill until you're pushing the prowler uh-huh. on it and it's kind of gravelly and that's a little tough too. But I'm trying to get him there. I really am because that would be great. <laughs> but he loves being in here when Jim lifts and when I lift and he's interested and you know, which is a nice sign for us. Exactly. I honestly think that's the best thing. That's what we did with our daughters. Just let her hang out, you know, and let them Mm -hmm. try stuff on their own. And I think just being around the environment and learning that, you know, hey, exercise is good is is an awesome thing. All right, we'll go ahead and take... Go ahead. uh, I was just going to say, we'll take a short little break, and then we'll come back, and we'll start talking about... I don't want to go into the topic yet, so we'll take a little break and come back and do that. Okay, sounds good. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, If you simply Google CRC Press and Protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook 
and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for sixty nine U.S. dollars. So that's thirty one percent off the ninety nine ninety five uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. Sixty nine dollars. I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it uh, lower down the page. They have one hundred and eighty day rentals and one year rentals, so you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So, Uh, Whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, we're back, everybody, and again, we have Juliet Wendler with us. She just kind of gave you her uh, brief and background and, you know, let us get the highlights. So now we're going to go to the topic of the day, and I want to start this out with uh, I'm looking at an, an, an article in Women's Health Magazine, and the title is It's Safe to Lift While Pregnant. And they have a picture that, that, that was on Facebook all over the place of the girl, like she's overhead squatting 75 pounds. And in the first paragraph, there's a quote by a doctor that says, uh, the problem isn't that Ellison, the lady's name, is lifting weights. It's that the weights she's lifting are far too heavy because she's, <laughs> li- uh, she's lifting 75 pounds. So let, let's use that as a starting point. Here, and see what you have to think about that. Uh, you got you got to love uh, bold relative statements. Yeah. <laughs> like what is heavy to somebody else is absolutely not heavy to another, which is just crazy. Um, I you know I it's kind of nice in a way that everybody is talking about it because at least they're talking about lifting while they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know I've worked with people. I trained people from other cultures that were still very close to their culture. And Mm -hmm. they would tell me like, Oh, you should stop, stop what you're doing. You need to let everything relax. And they did that weird hand motion on the front of their body. (laughs) It was totally creepy. (laughs) And then uh, I know in, in other cultures, it's almost forbidden that even when a pregnant woman is in the kitchen, they shouldn't be putting plates away overhead, Mm -hmm. things like that. And it's like frowned upon by the traditionals. 
which is just absurd because when that thing comes out, you better be strong and you better be ready. (laughs) (laughs) It is attached to your body. You carry it everywhere. It wiggles. It squirms. And the energy only goes up and you're going to be tired. So you need to be strong. It only makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you need to do the disclosure of you have to listen to your doctor and your body first because yeah. you are at the risk for a lawsuit if you say anything else. But I was very fortunate to have some really uh, cool doctors. My pediatrician is even really cool. But my doctor was like, listen, your body is built for this. You know, don't be afraid. Don't live your life afraid. Do what you're doing. Keep going. Just be sensible. And, uh, you know, I listened to him. As you're going to have some you know, bumps in the road, like if you're trying to continue your training. Um, I definitely squat, bench, and deadlift the entire time, <laughs> which probably isn't common. I did lifts that I can't even do now. Mm-hmm. I was able to do because I was heavier. And you know that whole belly thing? <laughs> it's very interesting. Like years ago when I was training people, I used to almost refer to it as smart weight and dumb weight, that I mm-hmm. figured fat to be a stupider amount of your body weight and muscle was the smart way to get the lift done and all that kind of stuff. But I literally got to see firsthand. I didn't gain a ton of weight, but I had this belly. And let me tell you, that thing works. For for stretching, for (laughs) squatting. I couldn't believe, like, I I couldn't believe the difference. I was really shocked. You got to experience the power belly firsthand. I really, really did, and, uh, you know, I'm I'm grateful for that because that's something that most women would never know and that you could kind of wag your finger at the rest of your life. Be like, oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you just want to be fat and condone it. But, yeah. man, it is entirely true. Um, I did have some phases during my pregnancy where I was uh, really exhausted by certain activities. Like cardio was way worse for me than lifting weights. I mean, I could do like a high incline walking session or something or walk hills and then want to be mm-hmm. on the couch the rest of the day, but weightlifting couldn't do that. And then on another spurt of time, I felt like a lot more lightheaded and like a little woozier and I guess nauseous. And I would do circuits for, um, you know, mostly for my legs, like body weight stuff, like lunges and squats. And then I would use weights for my back and my upper body. But then before you know it, you're right through that rough patch and you are back doing what your body knows how to do. And I guess that's the key point is what your body knows how to do. You mm-hmm. certainly should not try and start all these new things when you're pregnant. That's just not a wise decision. I don't think anybody would condone that outside of like walking or swimming or something. But, no. you know, if your body's used to doing it, keep going. So with that said, I mean, Going back to the first part, I mean, I think one thing my wife always says is that um, it drives her nuts that she she feels like people look at pregnancy as like you just got cancer. It's yeah. like, oh, God, you got to sit down, you know, <laughs> and it's like, you know, she trained all through our, you know, the whole, through the whole time uh, of our daughter's pregnancy and, and didn't have a problem. And I guess the only problem that we had was she, uh, Olive came out crazy. It's like she came out and loved the gym right away. She loved the noises of the gym because she grew up in one, and she's a very active child. And I honestly think that's part of that. But, um, you know, it's this weird diagnosis in, in America where it's like pregnancy is an illness. Yeah. And, yeah, it's become a very invasive uh, yeah. part of your life. Even the delivery uh, is very invasive now, very 
medically hands-on. They've kind mm-hmm. of sucked the natural out of it. I mean, there is, you know, it's, with the Internet and everything, it's nice that there are big groups of people coming up trying to do everything natural, but then there's mm. the two natural people. You know, everything yeah. is just a ton of extremes. But I'll mm. tell you, people said the meanest stuff to me when I was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> like, people want to tell you what you should do, what you shouldn't do, uh, when they think you're due, what they think you're having according to how your weight looks or sits on you. Like, I couldn't believe how bossy and intrusive everybody was. They think they can ask you anything. It's like, oh, man, this is, like, uncomfortable. Like, just, just standing in, like, a Panera Bread, somebody will come up to you and be like, it's a boy. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's not the mean stuff. But, no, it's, the yeah. mean stuff usually comes from, like, family and friends that think that they're concerned for your welfare and just tell you mm-hmm. that everything you do is stupid. <laughs> So training wise, then let's kind of get in some some meat and potatoes of this. Did you did you have like could you follow like a a plan or did you have to go by feel totally? Uh, n- no, I did. I was able to follow a plan. Uh, once I got past, I I didn't know I was pregnant for a long time. It was almost my entire trimester <laughs> for our first trimester. I had a, a couple false positives, and I I just had these suspicions and. I knew something wasn't right, and then all of a sudden, boom, I'm pregnant. And I didn't have my mm. first doctor's appointment until I was uh, 17 weeks. I was able to oh, wow. <laughs> find out the sex of the baby on my first doctor's appointment because I was in Colorado at the time uh, skiing black diamonds and doing snowshoe competitions. So <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I did – that actually made a big difference because I, I didn't know at first. I was still training. I was doing jumps. I was – squatting, I was running hills, but in the very, very beginning, your body really isn't doing much, you know, Mm -hmm. at least for me, I didn't have lots of feelings and stuff or, you know, discomfort. Mm -hmm. Then I was away for a while, which, you know, kind of changed things. But when I came back, Jim and I sat down and I'm like, I need some structure here. I can't just be floating around thinking of, you know, how I feel that day. Like, Mm -hmm. I firmly believe that, like, turbulent times in your life, or maybe not turbulent, but when there's, like, you know, change in the air, you really need to stay close to your core values, Mm -hmm. and it helps you stay calm and be comfortable and feel sane that time and not get, like, obsessed and go off on, like, a baby tangent and, you know, kind of lose yourself. So we sat down, and we didn't just take off. Of course, I was doing 531, you know, different variations of it. And I didn't feel comfortable just taking off a specific percentage. I I recognized what weights my body was comfortable going up to in each lift. And then we okay. changed the percentages that way. And then they were able to be maintained for a long time. I didn't try to progress lifts unless I felt really good one day and I wanted to kind of like do Jover sets and go up a little bit. Um, the weights pretty much stayed the same. And uh, it worked. Tremendously. I think I did, uh, I deadlifted 225 for 10 reps, like in my eighth month. And I did a chin up on my due date. That was one of my, my uh, training goals that I had. <laughs> I was so very excited and proud about that. Uh, but obviously very basic stuff. I did, I benched 135 for five reps and, um, yeah, I was never awesomely strong anyway, but I, I did adjust my numbers. And then I kept them pretty much the same unless I felt good. And I still had some type of training goals. I had mm-hmm. um, body relative ones, obviously, like the chin up. And then I had weight associated ones for the for the main lift. 
and it kept me focused and feeling good and, you know, kind of on task the whole time. I did have that spurt, though, where I did have to do circus for a little bit. It was like a couple weeks where I was just super tired and I felt off and I would do lunges and squats and then do make sure I did rows and things like that. So there was a, a phase there that I really just kind of kind of had to hang in. But that was, you know, it's not really complex and and unfortunately it's, you know, it's a time in your life that nobody can actually tell you what to do. I've trained many women through their pregnancy and you know, I had one woman, she had such a wonderful attitude and she, you know, came to get a trainer because she wanted to have a healthy pregnancy, but her nausea was so bad the entire pregnancy, they had to put her on like a strong medication just so that she could eat. And she was physically incapable of training. She was pretty much on bed rest her entire pregnancy, which is rough. So, I mean, you can say anything you want and you can have a wonderful experience, but for the next person, they can have every great intention. And you know what? Your body just says, nope, it's not going to happen. So I know you've told me about it. You had a point in your pregnancy where you said you, like, got, I don't know, pregnancy strong or something like that. All of a sudden, you're, like, stronger than you've ever been. You want to talk about that? (laughs) Well, that was was a belly face. Ah, (laughs) That was, uh, you know, and I was very mentally tough, and I was very happy, and I was excited. And, you know, I guess maybe you don't always feel it on certain lifts, but... Mm -hmm. I mean, the bench is still going up. I wasn't the strongest I had ever been. Uh, the strongest mm-hmm. bench I ever had was like 175, which, you know, to this day blows my mind because I'll never do it again. <laughs> I'll never, <laughs> you know, I'd have to get back to, to that training weight and that's just something I'm not that interested in. But, um, you know, I wasn't the absolute strongest, but I felt um, mentally tough, uh, emotionally strong and having that like powerlifting baby belly was awesome. <laughs> it really gives you some balance that works yeah. on the bench and me and Jim laughed about it because I was on the other side of the fence for a while. I was, you know, that fitness girl who thought that, mm-hmm. you know, having extra weight in odd places wasn't efficient or yeah. wouldn't be efficient. I guess I could see on the squats, the advantage, but, um, you know, it was all just kind of like a guessing game, but I really saw firsthand. So having that extra weight on, you know, your your numbers don't necessarily have to take a dip. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a lot of weight. I didn't gain a lot of weight because I was uh, due in August. That is very very hot. So <laughs> you want to watch you you want to watch yourself like for your own enjoyments of your pregnancy. I I really wanted to make sure. Uh, that I wasn't miserably uncomfortable the entire summer. Yeah. I kind of wanted to have a good time and have fun. And, you know, we took advantage of that time, man. That was a, we had a great time. We did stuff. <laughs> Travel. Um, and... Yeah, you kept living. You didn't, you know, yeah. diagnose yourself to the couch. <laughs> which is which is good. Uh, what One of the listeners' questions that they want to get into is, what did you do about nutrition? What did you do eating-wise during... Ah, this is good. Um, I had a nutrition. At first, I did nothing because I didn't know for a while. And I noticed something was off because I was eating weird stuff and eggs. I ate eggs like nonstop. But once I knew and I knew that I was going to be due in late, late August, um, I knew I, I wanted to stay comfortable and feel healthy but still not be strict, you know, find that nice balance. So I had a food chart. 
and each chart had, um, and this is no secret, I use this uh, with clients for years. Anybody that walked in the training studio door uh, got one of these papers. And every single day it had a, uh, six boxes, so you had up to like six meals or snacks, however you want to look at it. And every box had a line for protein, carb, and fat. And my goal was to eat well and balance 90% of the time, and the other 10% was anything goes, ice cream, candy, pizza, whatever. And my guidelines were very loose. Yeah, no, pickles would be healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My guidelines for what was balanced was very loose, like a meal of uh, grilled chicken, some mac and cheese, and uh, I guess the, the fat in that meal would have been the cheese. Mm-hmm. was totally acceptable for me. You know, I gotcha. I kept it consistent and loose, but the whole time, and I was uh, regularly physically active because I felt better, and the workouts had to be uh, a lot less intense. You know, I was very, very tired. That was my big thing. Um, so I was doing active things like mm-hmm. five to seven days a week, even if it was just walking and whatnot. But the guidelines were very loose, but having that structure of the food chart was exactly what I needed because then when I ate, you know, the ice cream and the pizza and whatnot, I didn't feel bad. I didn't have any problems. I didn't feel too full. I didn't have uh, heartburn like a lot of people get. I didn't get food hangovers. I didn't get super bloated. and So I really was able to enjoy it. Would you say part of that was, I mean, I've seen it time and time again with people around me that, like they get pregnant and they're like, "Well, I'm eating for two now," and they're yeah. they, they're literally start they start eating for two adults. Yeah, know? that goes back um, to the the cool doctor, and he was straight up. He was like, "Listen, you're not eating for two. He goes yeah. later on when you're breastfeeding. That's a little bit of a different story. But he goes the the caloric difference is basically like an apple. Gotcha. <laughs> so, so you kept you kept you kept intake roughly. I mean. What, you just eat when you were hungry? I mean, basically, eat roughly the same as far as maybe total total intake? or. Um, I think that I ate more, um, but I was kind of, I don't know, more constantly active, and I was always, like, mm-hmm. you know, cleaning or organizing, I don't know, and then doing all the walking and then the training stuff. I walked the prowler a lot because that made me feel really good. Um, I probably ate a little bit more, but it didn't... It didn't do anything. It didn't go anywhere. It was just all like healthy food. Uh, there was the the food logging was really helpful also because later on certain foods do start to affect you differently. You know, I if I had too much uh, sugar, even if it was fruit, it would like bother my stomach a little bit. Like nothing too severe, but because I was mm-hmm. food logging, I could see that and then do a mild change and then go back to feeling good all the time. So. That's you know, I guess Let's, maybe if you're trying to eat healthier, you think you're eating more, but the calories are the same. Yeah, because you're so much good stuff. Like yeah, I, I I suppose having another life inside you is a pretty good incentive to eat better. So. Yeah, yeah, you definitely care a little <laughs> <Yeah>. bit more. <laughs> you cut back on yeah. some of the fake crap. <laughs> so, uh, let's fast forward. So now the baby's born. Uh, Eddie Welch, one of the listeners, wants to know. Wants you to talk about, you know, bouncing back and getting in the training postpartum, especially concerning the limited time frame a woman has to work with when you're when you're dealing with a newborn. Oh, what did yeah. you what did you how did how did you get back into it then? How long did it take before you really started training again and, and what kind of schedule were you able to work out? Um you know, I did my first 
uh, little at-home workout, like, I think two days after I delivered. You know, I was, I was a little, I was very stubborn in this department. I actually chose not to listen to anything that anybody told me, including the doctors. <laughs> I, uh, I had a very tough delivery. You know, I'm not really, uh, I'm not really built for it. Some people just have like those childbearing hips mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, you know, my water broke and 10 minutes later, there he was. It was awesome. It was beautiful. Uh, it's brutal. I had a brutal delivery. But, um, you know, I also, I just had that, that strength built up from during the pregnancy and, mm-hmm. and that sense of pride that I had worked for the whole time with having a healthy pregnancy and staying active and having fun. And then a couple of days later, I started doing a body weight circuit. I did avoid squatting for a long time, even like body weight squatting. It just doesn't feel good. <laughs> really feels terrible. Yeah. Um, but things like holding planks, uh, doing elevated push-ups, um, bridges, were a big one, holding a bridge position for time, and, you know, all that stuff really made a big difference for kind of get everything back in real quick, and breastfeeding is amazing for that. You know, I unfortunately, I know that some people have um, problems with that, either psychologically or physically, you know, mm-hmm. physically, they their body, it just doesn't click with the baby, but... Boy, that makes a huge difference. And believe me, your husband's happy when you do because he's off the hook <laughs> for feedings and stuff. <laughs> so, and you know, the the calorie expenditure from breastfeeding is pretty great. So the weight comes off um, pretty quick and, you know, doing the body weight stuff and the sleep makes it tough. But they do kind of sleep a lot. So if you can, if you can discipline yourself to actually sleep when they sleep a little bit and then to, you know, on another time start getting some workouts in, uh, Mm. it works out pretty well. If you just keep your head on straight, start with some body weight stuff, you'll see pretty quick how your body is responding to it and how soon you can move back up to the barbell lift. It took me a while to barbell squat again. I don't really, uh, I don't remember exactly, that's Jim pulling up right now, (laughs) sleeping at me. I don't remember exactly how many months it was before I started squatting under the bar, but that one took the longest. Gotcha. But, um, would you say it was a benefit then that, I mean, you guys, your gym is pretty much in your garage, right? Yes. Did that make things a bit easier? I mean, to, to work out, would you, would you say that's somebody, something that a, a female coming back in this would, should look into getting even limited equipment at the house so they can just, Hey, I got 15 minutes. Let's get this in. Yes, definitely. It's yeah. a definite advantage. Uh, I've seen in people's lives where it wasn't. I trained a lot of people that had full gyms in their house. You have to make it like a, a special place. It's got to have the gym atmosphere. It can't just look like another room in your house and and just have like a physio ball rolling around on the floor. It's got to be like you have to set it up like an environment, and when you get in there, you, you have to still take it seriously or else it's going to be lost. You're not going to do mm-hmm. anything. But yeah, having having some equipment at home, and like I said, at first it really doesn't take that much equipment. You know, yeah. it takes your body weight. You do an incline push-ups and stuff, so you don't need too much. But giving yourself a shot at doing something at home is is definitely beneficial, like in a structured setting. And then, as far as you like getting, so you, you got back the weights. As, sounds like as quickly as you could. Um, yeah. But. What about conditioning and stuff like that? I know you guys are big on pushing prowlers and hill sprints and things like that. How long until that, that kicked back in, or did you go right away, too? Um, well, with this, you know, I had him in late August. So that fall, 
might have just pushed the prowler out front, and then we were into the winter time. So it it felt like a very long time before I ran hills again. Um, but really, that was like a seasonal thing. I remember the first time back running hills. Oh my god, I felt so <laughs> slow and awkward. <laughs> but um, you know, I I go through uh, you know phases with my conditioning according to the weather, and the same thing with my training, and that just kind of happens naturally when uh, your gym is in a garage. Yeah, like you know, everything you realize after after two years, you actually see. Oh wow, I didn't realize I was interested in the same stuff the, at the same time last year because of this reason. You know, yeah. some of your interests just kind of shift and change. So, um, I'm actually suited up to do the prowler right now. I'm going to try and drag Jim down with me when the kid goes oh. down for a nap. But uh, the conditioning is the easiest thing to start back trying to do because it's very easy to, you know, you could do an aerodyne bike and be seated. You could do incline walking, walking in the prowler. I did that my whole pregnancy. That was awesome. And it was good to get back to you right after too. That's like the easiest stuff. But I would say that weight training is more beneficial after. I mean, you want to suck everything back in. You don't just want to cardio yourself to death. And you have enough reasons to be tired. So I really didn't put um, conditioning very high on the list afterward. You know, I took him for stroller walks and stuff, but mm-hmm. after that, the weather got... I remember doing that as long as I could until it got too cold. And then I don't think I really did much that winter. I just kind of focused on sleeping and eating right and, and weight training. And it worked. So so squats were a little hard to get back to, which is probably, I don't know, who, abdominal pressure and whatnot. I mean, deadlifts okay? I mean, you able to get back into those real quick, chins and presses and all that? Uh, yeah, the upper body stuff was easier. Um, deadlift, you're still going to feel, I mean, if you think about it, it's like having a massive internal surgery. Everything yeah. is completely moved around. Everything's completely weakened. Uh, it's definitely an eye-opener. You miss that baby belly a little bit when it comes to actually lifting some weight that matters. But um, mm-hmm. uh, it was definitely easier. Um, benching and pressing were the easiest, then deadlifting, then squatting. And, uh, you know, I didn't really realize it, but the pregnancy took its toll on my back a little bit. So all of a sudden, you know, recently, it was just kind of building for a long time in the odd way that you carried a kid around and everything. And my back and my neck just got totally jacked up. So I've been going to the chiropractor recently. I recommend if anybody has a good one or if you know of a good one to see one while you're pregnant and after because, oh, my gosh, what a difference that makes. And that's helped a lot. So the whole time after I was, um, you know, after I gave birth and I was training again, my back was jacked up. My hips were completely uneven and I was weak and my neck would bother me. But now that I've been getting that taken care of, things are falling back into place. Well, I suppose uh, that makes quicker. sense. I suppose yeah, that I mean, makes sense. I mean, essentially your whole abdominal wall has been stretched out and then your hip structure just like totally came apart, you know, almost yeah. surgically. So. Yeah, I mean, it is pretty yeah. nuts, like, what goes on. And then you're yeah. carrying around a child that just continues to get bigger and bigger, and you always yeah. favor one side. So here you are mm-hmm. sticking one hip out this whole time, and before you know it, you have, like, a scoliosis through mm-hmm. the whole middle of your back that throws your hips off and upsets your neck and all that stuff. So, I mean, it, it definitely makes a ton of sense on why. I just I wish I had checked it out sooner. I can't believe how many babies I see come and go in and out of there. It's something I never would have thought to do before hmm. I went to this doctor's office. Well, 
Uh, here's a good question, and I, it's probably one I've heard a thousand times before from people, but I, it'd be good to get your take on it. This Craig Fletcher, he says he has a a client. She's she's a very in shape lady. She had a baby about three years ago, and she put a lot of weight on during her pregnancy, and then lost it. She's lost everything except for she has what he calls a, a loose belly. The rest of her's tight. Is there any way to get rid of that loose skin? Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but basically, you know, she's got loose skin on her stomach from, well, I mean, essentially the, the skin stretched out, I would guess, but is there any way to lose that, or is that something to deal with? Yeah, or the hard part about that about? is, I mean, it, she can she can say that she lost, you know, quote-unquote everything, but she might have mm-hmm. lost a lot of muscle, too, so she, just because the pounds have suddenly evened out doesn't mean that she's actually you know, toned and tight and putting things back where they should go. But, yeah, when it comes down to it, that's uh, some genetics. And and it could be that that, you know, has to be surgically taken care of. Mm. You know, and if, you're, it, yeah. if, if you're weight training and you're doing everything and you have skin, I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's loose yeah. skin. It just doesn't go away. There are certain, you know, supplements you can take. You take very good care of your skin, like taking fish oils and, you know, just to help your skin elasticity and your collagen and, and learning how to eat for better skin, that actually you can reverse some aging signs there and put some elasticity back in. But sometimes, man, it is what it is. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but I've seen it uh, many <laughs> yeah. times with tiny people, and they got that lesson. That's their baby gift. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It can exactly. always be worse. I actually, I had I worked with somebody once, and I, I guess, uh, you know, I won't say too much, but she had a genetic condition that she had no idea about until she had a baby. And after the baby was born, she had no collagen in her stomach tissue or in her skin. So it was like uh, they described it as tissue paper. So once she had the baby, she remained looking about seven months pregnant forever. Oh, wow. Yeah, and there was no no bounce back whatsoever. I mean, this poor girl, she'd be in the supermarket, and somebody would walk up to her and tell her how cute she looked and ask her when she was due. And she would just break down in the frozen food section because her kid was like four years old. (laughs) So, you know, it can always be worse, but there are surgeries for that, you know. Yeah. She, you know, she did eventually have it taken care of, but, you know, as such is life, man. It's the body. Sometimes oh yeah, that's, skin bounces back tight, and sometimes we deal with a lot over. of we deal with a lot of ladies here. And I mean, my wife, she didn't get huge, and but she is just she got tons of stretch marks, and it's just how her body is. And I've met women that have none, and it's it's either something that hey, you got to deal with, like you said, it's it's your gift from the baby, or go get yeah. it taken care of. So yeah, yeah, um, I mean, there are some little things you can do to help, but nothing past like you know good googling. Yeah. After that, I can uh, try it all. <laughs> here's a here's an interesting question. Maybe um, it's Neil Kushney. He's wondering if you have any general thoughts on the way females and weightlifting is portrayed by the media today. Um, you know what? I have to say that as of today, it's actually by technicality, it's portrayed better than ever. Because now women in fitness ads are shown sweating, working, doing barbell lifts, uh, lifting heavier dumbbells. We mm-hmm. might not like the delivery system for it. Um, you know, you might not be a fan of the CrossFit and, you know, mm-hmm. 
the the average Janes hopping on board to do tough mutters and all these crazy competitions. Um, people might not be too interested in that type, but the the image is showing that aggression and sweat and hard work is a good thing. So I kind of I give it that. I do. Even we were flipping through. You know, I get a lot of free magazines, all the fitness ones and shape and all that. And mm-hmm. I don't know how to say this without being mean, but sometimes they use models that really aren't that um, attractive anymore. <laughs> yeah. Does that sound bad? I, I don't know. <laughs> they're, not, they're not as, like, just skinny. Like, they used to just take, like, super skinny models and put them in, like, a, you know, tight, tiny lifting shorts and a sports bra, and that made her a And hand them a dumbbell, yeah. Yeah, yeah now, they, now they actually use uh, fitness models that lift weights that are muscular and have a tougher edge and a harder look. And I think that's a positive thing. I mean, you're going to see a little bit everywhere. You're going to, the nerdy stuff is never going to go away. The super, super wide plie squats and purple spandex, that's always going to be there. But um, (laughs) there's improvement. (laughs) So let's talk about 531. Oh, you know what? I got to tell this story. I've been, I was hoping you were going to, you were going to ask me something about this. So (laughs) I I have to tell everybody this because I I think my husband might be the only person I told. Um, I had, you know, my strengths and my training background. I was a CSDS an Olympic coach and all this other stuff. And I was training people and I always wanted to do a female fitness training book, like a good Mm -hmm. one, like a solid one, one that was going to last forever. And, uh, you know, didn't have all the buzzwords and the silly stuff in it. That was that was what I really wanted to do. And I remember the day I read 531, how incredibly disappointed I was. <laughs> because it had been done. And it was oh. over. <laughs> I, I knew when I read it that I could not do better. And I was sad. <laughs> that, that was my first introduction. I didn't know Jim personally at the time, but... I remember feeling incredibly disappointed and sad because I knew that if I was going to write this book that I had always wanted to write, that I would have to work with him or see if he would give me permission or, or something to, because this was it. This was perfect. So the world should know that, that I was incredibly, incredibly Ugh. impressed. And once I started doing the five through one outside of uh, years and years ago, when I was still dabbling in the fitness competitions, um, that was the only time I ever took breaks from it. And in hindsight, if I was to ever do a show again, I wouldn't. I would keep the 531 in and modify other things. So once I started doing it, I never stopped. So you read the 531, then you're like, I got to marry this guy. You know, yeah. this is, <laughs> it does sound so very good. sketchy. <laughs> it sounds very, very sketchy. But uh, no, the, and another funny story actually is I met Jim um, many years ago in Canada. Extremely briefly, um, I went to the last Swiss conference. I think that's what they called it. It was like the Swiss Symposium, uh-huh. and he was yeah. there with Dave Tate, representing Elite and talking about powerlifting. And I met him. I think we shook hands, and the first thing I said after I met him was, that man has crazy eyes. <laughs> 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 and that was my genuine, real impression of Jim, that, dude, he's crazy. Like I see the crazy, in his eyes. and uh, he just had that that shimmer and glimmer that his mind was going left when everybody else's was going right. And I was—it's true—he <laughs> is a little crazy. <laughs> so, five three one for women. You've talked about doing that. Is there—is that coming up, or what? What do we got going on there? Uh, you know, yes, we still talk about it. 
And to be perfectly honest, you know, if you're in this industry for long enough, you keep your mouth shut long enough, you listen long enough, you keep your eyes open long enough, you're going to lose your faith in humanity a little bit. <laughs> I mean, <that's, laughs> it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a tough industry for that, especially if you love what you do and you know what works and what doesn't. And when you just, you're just exposed to this constant barrage of give me the easy way, do it for mm-hmm. me. I don't really want to know what works. Just tell me what's fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you just get bummed. And uh, I removed myself from it and from a lot of things. I took some time out, man. I had some privacy issues. I had to stop writing for Elite. Shortly after I took my website down, shortly after that, I stopped uh, doing online training clients. And shortly after that, I, I removed myself from all social media. So I really went into this bubble because I, I needed a break. Mm-hmm. And we still talk about the book, and we have some good laughs about it, about the, the kind of things that we want to say and, and whatever. But I do struggle with the voice that I would write with. And that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that's like, ah. You know, I used to have to write all these blog posts and, yeah. you know, Facebook posts towards the general public where you have to kind of really water things down and you don't always get to say what you really feel or, you know, really think. You have to kind of just be kinder and put a marketing spin on things. And and that was just so drab. And then I have this other side of me now that's been in this bubble of free speech and total (laughs) (laughs) non-censorship. And it's like they're going to have to meet somewhere in the middle that... And I'm just not really sure where that is yet. Plus, with the, you know, my schedule is still insane. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it is going to happen. It's just a yeah. matter of restoring on your own of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta care enough. I gotta care to actually yeah. really wanna, to wanna, you know, help everyone. And man, people have been tough. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. I think we've got we've got some good stuff there. I want to thank you for joining us. Is there anything else you want to add? Anything? I mean, that you could tell the ladies or the guys or or anything about before we take off here. Um, well, thank you for having me and uh oh, of my, course. Husband, my, oh, my husband's thanks. the coolest. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's every bit of the genius training madman that he portrays, but he's a lot more than that, especially to me. But um yeah. He is the best, and I appreciate everybody that um, is still talking with him and reading his stuff and his articles and his books, and, you know, it's appreciated. And if I believe in what he does, I see everything firsthand. I think that's a pretty good indicator that yeah. uh, the person that sees everything, every little bit, is still saying, yes, it's, it's thorough. <laughs> it's all believable. He practices what he preaches. He doesn't put out anything he doesn't believe in, and... And that's one of the reasons I love him so much. So, yeah. well, that's a good time. Well, tell tell Jim hi, and uh, I will give give the give your son a hug for me or whatnot, and go go push that prowler, and I'll talk to you guys yeah. later. All right. All right. Thanks so much. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Hey, sports nutrition fans! Join us in beautiful Clearwater Beach, Florida, June twenty and twenty one for the 11th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo. You'll learn the latest, greatest sports nutrition from the best minds in the business. Some of our speakers include Juan Carlos Santana, Dr. Mark Tarnopolsky, Gina Lombardi, and many, many more. 
You learn about intermittent fasting, how to exercise to offset poor eating, and also nutritional strategies for maintaining or gaining muscle mass. But the best part is you'll get to rub elbows with the best scientists in the business. The ISSN, why would you go anywhere else? Go to www.theissn.org for more information. That's www.theissn.org for more info. See you there. Hey, this is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm here to tell you about some of the cool new stuff us guys at Iron Radio are bringing your way. Thanks to our loyal supporting members, we have enough cash flow to start migrating to Lipson, arguably the premier podcast host, and one that serves up some very high-end shows and tools. The change will start slowly with a little backup page that can be found right now on the Lipson website. This means our occasional server errors cannot keep the show out of your hands. But as we move more and more content over to the new server, it's going to allow us to do a couple of brand new things. First, we're planning an Iron Radio app for iPhone and Android. Believe it. If you're not sure what RSS feeds are or how to describe in iTunes, apps are a very simple way to get our content, either by downloading it or even streaming it through the app on a phone or tablet. Even better, you'll occasionally see a little E on an app link that means there's extra content you can access for that show. For example, we can add extended audio to a show, or even pics like wallpapers or sciency graphs that support what we're saying. The iPhone app even has a search feature. Want the show with Eddie Cohen right now? You'll be able to grab it quickly. Second, you'll see an improved media player on www.ironradio.org. You can download or listen easily right from the home page with no other windows or pop-ups necessary. Third, and maybe best, we'll be adding all new bonus content. Behind the scenes, special interviews, audio articles delivered from co-host personal libraries, on-site coverage, editorials, rants, bloopers, and more. The growth of the show and the new functionality does come with some cost. Starting in June, episodes older than a year... 50 shows will become premium content. There are several reasons for this. For one, serving audio to our growing listenership through a big boy system like Lipson costs a bit more. Second, our RSS feed service called FeedBurner has a limit, so this will keep us from having to drop early episodes one at a time as new ones come out. In fact, here's a tip. If you want all the old episodes at zero cost, download them before June 2014. We're telling you now because that's how we roll. So how does premium content work? You pick up an inexpensive subscription at my.lipson.com, which gets you every Iron Radio episode plus new bonus content that no one else can hear. These subscriptions are very cheap, about 2 to $8, and can be gotten monthly, yearly, etc. Put when you want. Further, if you're a current supporting member through PayPal, we appreciate your ongoing support. Free new content each week is possible because of your dedication. You help thousands of young lifters, or anyone, get news, education, and entertainment that they otherwise might not get. Simply email me through the ironradio.org homepage. 
and our web guru Lonnie will buy you a year's membership on my Lipson as an iron brother or sister. Finally, let me reiterate, as we grow, we want to keep new episodes free forever while providing better services and content for the whole Iron Army. Thanks 50 times for your ongoing support. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.